Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello friends and welcome to episode 16. If you haven't already listened into episode 15, I would encourage you to start there is this is part two of five common behaviors uh, that people experience with dementia, how to support them through it, why it occurs, and how to really get alongside, empathize, support, provide compassion to people that are experiencing these things. So start back at episode 15 if you haven't already. We're going to be jumping straight back in from behavior number four. I will leave it there and we'll jump right in. Number four, and I'm conscious that I could talk on these topics forever, so I will try to get through these promptly. Number four, repetitive behavior or repetition. So people living with dementia, it might be repeating a word or repeating a question or having a familiar activity that they really enjoy doing. In most cases, it's probably the individual looking for some comfort, for some security or some familiarity. This behavioral symptom is it's the deterioration of the brain cells. So often it's related to the individual's ability to make sense of the world. So how do you respond if somebody is repeating themselves? Looking for a reason behind the repetition can be a really important starting point. So trying to understand, is this happening at a certain time of day? Is there something else they're actually trying to communicate Have they just become really stuck on this question today, but it might be something different tomorrow? This point, which I think is really important, is focusing on the emotion, not the behavior. So if someone's really fixated on, I've got to find, I've got to find my mum. And I think we see this a lot in residential care where somebody's looking for someone or trying to do something that they used to do earlier in their life. They might be looking for their mum. They might be trying to get to the bus stop to get to work. They might not be able to find the kids because they've got to get them ready for school. Trying to really understand the emotion behind that, what that must feel like for them, how Obviously, you're going to start to feel if that were me and if I were trying to find my mum and I couldn't find her anywhere and I was adamant she should be there, I would start to feel really upset and I would start to feel quite frustrated. And whilst the person observing that might know, well, obviously, Mary's mother passed away 50 years ago. That's not Mary's reality. And without saying to her, no, that's not true. Your mum's dead. It really is focusing on the emotion behind that and really getting alongside someone to even discuss that with them. Like, you look like you're really upset, Mary. You're trying to find your mum. 
Okay, tell me a little bit about your mum. What did she used to do? Okay, what and what was your favourite? Tell me about your favourite memory with your mum. What was one of the best things you used to do together? And by allowing them to express their feelings whilst also gently guiding and redirecting more into the side of memories and positive experiences of the past, you can sometimes help guide people out of that immediate behavior and frustration of not being able to do the thing they feel that they have to be doing at that point in time. And that ties in beautifully to the next point, which is around staying calm and being patient. And I honestly think in any of my experiences of working with people living with dementia, the more time and patience you have for someone, the better outcomes you can have for that individual. Because when you're trying to rush through and you've got 10 clients, you've got to shower and dress and get ready and people become very task oriented, that does not work for people living with dementia. And that's often why you'll see higher staffing ratios in, say, residential facilities um, in dementia-specific units because you do need to be able to give people the time and invest that time into really understanding their world and their reality and what's going on for them that day. And it actually, by putting in that investment up front, it really prevents a number of those behaviors and escalations that can occur if you don't engage with it and you don't empathize and give compassion and really get alongside that person with dementia. And so one of the other ones on that repetitive behaviors that suggested is engaging the person with an activity. So sometimes it might just be boredom. It might be that they don't have anything to do at that point in time. So engaging them with a familiar activity or something that they can feel a sense of purpose for, or what we call a meaningful engagement, can be a a really great way of minimizing that frustration and minimizing often those repetitive behaviors as well because it gives that individual a sense of purpose and that might be something as simple as um, putting the cutlery out on the table or folding the washing or sorting through the pegs into different colors it can be something as meaningful or something as monotonous as as long as it gives that person a sense of purpose and they feel like they're able to contribute something, that can be a really key piece to helping work through that dementia behaviors as well. And the last one I want to touch on today, number five, is suspicions and delusions. So this is probably more common with mid to late stages of, I guess, Alzheimer's specifically, but it can sit under the dementia umbrella. This can be, it might be accusing others of theft, of infidelity, or other kind of inappropriate or improper behavior. And sometimes those accusations can be really hurtful, but it's really important for you as the individual to remember that it's the disease causing these behaviors and to try and not take that personally. So one of the key things I guess with this is if the person is having delusions or there's a fear that they are at risk themselves, it's really important to get them to a doctor and get some help and I guess get some further assessment on if there is an underlying illness that's leading to that. So one of the common ones might be something as simple as a UTI. UTIs in the elderly, but particularly in people with dementia, 
can really see quite an escalation or a change to behaviors. So if someone was previously not delusional or not suspicious or not anxious, and suddenly there's quite a dramatic change in that, it can be really important to get that looked at a bit further to understand, is there an actually an underlying illness that's led to that? Or is this a progression in their dementia? Now, it's worth noting a delusion is not the same thing as a hallucination. So delusions are false beliefs. However, hallucinations are false perceptions of objects or events that are really sensory in nature. So if it's a hallucination, they will actually see or hear or smell or taste or even feel something that isn't really there. Whereas a delusion is more a belief that something has happened. So what do you do if someone's having these behaviors? Don't take offense. Don't try to argue with them or try to convince them otherwise. Allow that person to express their feelings and their frustrations and acknowledge that as very valid and real for them. You might be able to offer a simple solution or answer. So keeping that fairly simple and seeing if that's something they respond to. Sometimes that might be really unhelpful and they might go, no, you don't understand. My wallet is missing and I don't know where it's gone and I think that he stole it. I guess on that note, beautiful segue, one of the things you might also do is duplicate any lost items or common things that become a real point of fixation. So I know I used to have a client that he always had to have his keys for his car downstairs. Now, he didn't have a car downstairs, but he needed to have his keys on him. And often these keys, because he lived with dementia, would end up in all kinds of random places that sometimes us as the staff were unable to locate them. So we made sure that we had an exact duplicate of those keys available so that if at any point in time he did hide them in the bin or put them in the fridge or somewhere else where we couldn't find them, we were able to quickly get that replacement available too for him so that he had one there and that was able to settle him in that time. So if the specific items, sometimes having multiple available can be a helpful way of navigating that and helping provide some support and settling that person. And the other one which we've touched on in the other areas is around moving the focus to another activity. So that gentle redirection and that might be engaging them in an activity that is something that's meaningful. It might be suggesting going for a walk or having a cup of tea. I think it's useful to note on this though, if somebody's really in the the heat or in the moment of I've lost my keys and somebody's stolen them and I want to report this to the police coming up to them and saying, let's go for a walk may only make them more frustrated because if that's real to you and someone's just stolen your keys and then they're suggesting let's go for a walk, I would feel really dismissed and I'd feel really frustrated that they're not actually listening to me. And often that's something they will express to you. You're not listening. Someone has stolen my keys. It is, again, really important to get alongside Don't argue or try to convince it and empathize with what they're feeling without playing into the lie. There's a fine line between empathizing and encouraging further down that path. So you don't want to say, yep, someone did steal them. Let's call the police now because that's only going to continue to escalate that behavior versus getting alongside them and saying, John, that must be really hard. When, what, what do you think happened? 
okay, no, that sounds really frustrating. I imagine you must be feeling really anxious about where your keys are right now. Do you think maybe we should go for a bit of a walk and have a look around and see if we can find your keys outside anywhere? And then as you're on your walk, you might direct it a little bit further to, gosh, the weather's nice today, John. Isn't it glorious out here? Should we maybe have a cup of tea while we're sitting out here? And slowly, gradually stepping them away from that crisis or that immediate situation that was bringing them that fear or frustration. So I think it's such an important thing to learn and it is a real, there's a nuance to it. It is something that takes time, but acknowledging that behavior is And those feelings are so key because there's nothing worse than someone feeling completely dismissed and then feeling like nobody's listening. And that can really escalate those behaviors further. Alrighty, (laughs) that's been a lot to get through. So in summary, five of the key kind of behaviors or things associated with dementia can be memory loss and confusion, wandering, aggression and frustration, repetitive behavior, and suspicions or delusions. On the whole, I think the resounding message is to, as best you can, empathize, put yourself in their shoes, use compassion, and really try to understand how that must feel for that individual so that you can best get alongside them and not argue what they're feeling, not try to correct what their belief is, but help gently redirect that into something more helpful or into an activity that is meaningful and engaging for them. As you can tell, I could talk on this topic forever, so I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm reminding myself very quickly that dementia is something that I'm actually really quite passionate about and something that I think I'm going to need to unpack and explore further. But I really thank you for listening along somewhat apologies that this has been a long episode, but also it has been, it's such an important topic that I really think for us to support those living with dementia in our community, we need to know more about, and we need to educate ourselves on. So next time you see an old man at the shops getting frustrated and not really understanding what's going on, could be worth considering if there's something else causing that for them. <laughs> there's there's so much that we don't know about people and so much that we can do to support. And I really think if we approach everything with a little bit more empathy, compassion and understanding, just think it makes the world a better place. So on that note, I will wrap up there. I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you so much. I love you all and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.